You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. The title of this week's lesson is The Great Plan of Happiness, and it covers Alma chapters 39 through 42. This week, I am coming to you from a random town in Wyoming. (laughs) I'm at a family reunion. I wasn't planning on coming to this family reunion. I was going to stay home by myself for a few glorious days. And at the very last minute, I decided to come. So I packed up my stuff and here I am. So if you hear any birds or strange noises, I apologize. I'm just in a random room in a random cabin. And I hope this all works out. I hope the Wi-Fi holds up. This week's lesson is actually really good. There's a lot of good things to think about. I've thought a lot about this one this week. The first paragraph says, when someone we love has made a serious mistake, it can be hard to know how to respond. Part of what makes Alma 39 through 42 so valuable is that it reveals how Alma, a disciple of Christ who once had his own grievous sins to repent of, handled such a situation. Alma's son Corianton had committed sexual sin, and Alma, as he often did, trusted the power of true doctrine to encourage repentance. In these chapters, we observe Alma's boldness in condemning sin and his tenderness and love for Corianton. And ultimately, we sense Alma's confidence that the Savior shall come to take away sins and declare glad tidings of salvation to those who repent. The fact that Corianton eventually returned to the work of the ministry can give us hope for forgiveness and redemption when we are troubled about our own sins or the sins of someone we love. So this week we read about Alma's words to his son Corianton. And I kind of chuckled my way through the first part of this because Alma makes no bones about how he feels about each one of his sons. And apparently Corianton has had some struggles. And Alma starts out by asking him why he can't be more like his brother. (laughs) And I laughed because I feel his pain. Every child is different. And as they grow up, some have way different ideas than we do as parents. But you just have to keep on loving them. And it's obvious that Alma does love Corianton because he really does try to help him with some of the questions that he's had. And you can tell that he wants so bad for Corianton to stay on the right path. The first section of the lesson talks about how sexual sin is an abomination in the sight of the Lord. Apparently, Corianton kind of forgot his responsibilities with his father and went over into another city to chase after a lady named Isabel. And apparently things didn't work out so well. So here he is back with Alma. And in talking to Corianton about sexual sin, Alma says this in verse 5. He says, Know ye not, my son, that these things are an abomination in the sight of the Lord, yea, most abominable above all sins, save it be the shedding of innocent blood or denying the Holy Ghost. That's kind of an interesting scripture. And if we just kind of follow that thought without really trying to figure out what Alma actually means, then it kind of sounds like a person who commits sexual sin is as bad as a murderer. And I don't really think that's true. I think we have to remember that Alma is talking about the sin and not the person committing the sin. And in my non-expert opinion, I believe that he puts sexual sin and murder in the same seriousness category because they both deal with the powers of life. Sexual intimacy has the power to create life and murder takes it away. And obviously our Heavenly Father doesn't want us to take either one of those things lightly. Now we don't really know the extent of Corianton's sins. And there's a lot that we can assume from what Alma says to him, but we don't really know. Each one of us are different and we have different experiences and our particular sins are between us and our Heavenly Father and our Savior. But here are a couple things that I do know. 
sexual intimacy is sacred, and the world completely trivializes it, makes money off of it, and treats it like it was just nothing. Satan hates our bodies. He knows that he can never have one, and he also knows that we can use our bodies to bring spirits to earth and to further our Heavenly Father's plan. And both of those things Satan wants to shut down. I think we need to be so aware of the content that we allow into our homes. The pornography industry in the United States takes in over $16 billion every year. And I found these statistics from a website called The Recovery Village. 35% of downloads from the internet are pornographic. 40 million Americans say that they regularly visit pornography sites. One third of all internet porn users are women. And Sunday is the most popular day of the week for viewing pornography. 75% of parents that were surveyed thought that their children had never seen pornography online, when in reality, 53% of the children surveyed said that they had seen it. And the average age for a person first viewing pornography is 11 years old. So if you think that this is a problem that can't affect you or your family, I think you're very wrong. I think we need to have appropriate and open and honest conversations in our families about sexual intimacy, what it is and what it is not because our kids are being sent the wrong messages and they need to be told the right things by the right people, which is us, their parents. And those conversations can sometimes be uncomfortable, but they're so important. And it's important for our kids to feel like they can come and talk to us about anything. And if that's a struggle for you, pray for help because the Lord needs us to help our kids stay away from the false ideas of the world. And if you happen to be someone who struggles with pornography or sexual sin, Then listen to this quote from Elder Holland. He said, However late you think you are, however many chances you think you have missed, however many mistakes you feel you have made, or talents you think you don't have, or however far from home and family and God you feel you have traveled, I testify that you have not traveled beyond the reach of divine love. It is not possible for you to sink lower than the infinite light of Christ's atonement shines. Our Savior loves each one of us, and He can help us change. I love what Alma tells Corianton in verse 14. He says, Seek not after riches, nor the vain things of the world, for behold, you cannot carry them with you. Last Sunday in our home church, we talked about how we need to pay attention to our spiritual health, because that is the one thing that's going to carry on with us. I think so many things that we concern ourselves with in our everyday lives really don't have much eternal significance. And I think it's good to stop and think every once in a while about how much importance and time we give to those things that in the end really don't have any worth and maybe reevaluate some of those things. In chapter 40, Alma noticed that Corianton had some questions about the resurrection. So he taught him about what happens after we die. In verses 12 through 14, he says, And then shall it come to pass that the spirits of those who are righteous are received into a state of happiness, which is called paradise, a state of rest, a state of peace, where they shall rest from all their troubles and from all care and sorrow. And then shall it come to pass that the spirits of the wicked, yea, who are evil, for behold, they have no part nor portion of the spirit of the Lord, for behold, they chose evil works rather than good. Therefore, the spirit of the devil did enter into them and take possession of their house, and these shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, and this because of their own iniquity, being led captive by the will of the devil." Now this is the state of the souls of the wicked, yea, in darkness, and a state of awful, fearful looking for the fiery indignation of the wrath of God upon them. 
Thus they remain in this state, as well as the righteous in paradise, until the time of their resurrection. Do we even stop to realize how big of a blessing it is that we know this, that we know what happens to people when they die? I have a grandma who is in her 90s. She can't see, she can't live alone or do much of anything independently anymore. Her husband has been gone for many years, and she's kind of in the endure to the end phase of her life. And of course, I will be sad when she dies. She's an awesome lady and a great example to me. But I will be thrilled for her to move on to a state of peace and rest. Death is something that we don't like to talk about or think about. But the moment we came to this earth, that became the inevitable end result of our lives here. And what a blessing it is to know that we have a Heavenly Father and that He has a plan for us and for our lives. Our lives are not random. We're here in this temporary state for a reason. And this life is not all that there is. There is a plan for where we end up after this life is over. And that's a huge blessing. And I think it gives us perspective and gives us some peace that a lot of other people don't have. In verse 23, as Alma was talking about the resurrection, he says this, The soul shall be restored to the body, and the body to the soul. Yea, and every limb and joint shall be restored to its body. Yea, even a hair of the head shall not be lost, but all things shall be restored to their proper and perfect frame. And for those of us who have physical struggles, what a huge blessing it is to know this, and what an awesome thing to look forward to, that someday we will be free from our earthly challenges. I think studying these things and remembering these truths when we're struggling can bring us so much peace. Alma also talks about the rewards for either good or bad that we get from our good or bad works in this life. In verses 3 through 6, he says, And it is requisite with the justice of God that men should be judged according to their works. And if their works were good in this life, and the desires of their hearts were good, that they should also at the last day be restored unto that which is good. And if their works are evil, they shall be restored unto them for evil. Therefore, all things shall be restored to their proper order, everything to its natural frame, mortality raised to immortality, corruption to incorruption, raised to endless happiness to inherit the kingdom of God, or to endless misery to inherit the kingdom of the devil, the one on one hand, the other on the other. The one raised to happiness according to his desires of happiness, or good according to his desires of good and the other to evil, according to his desires of evil. For as he has desired to do evil all the day long, even so shall he have his reward of evil when the night cometh. And so it is on the other hand. If he hath repented of his sins, and desired righteousness until the end of his days, even so he shall be rewarded unto righteousness. And then he says later on, And thus they stand or fall, for behold, they are their own judges, whether to do good or evil. Alma says pretty plainly that in the end, our lives and our choices are up to us. We don't always get to choose what happens to us, but we absolutely get to choose how we respond. Our feelings and our actions are our own responsibility. And I think that's especially important to remember now, when there seems to be so much judgment and unkindness being passed around in the world. I recently read a story about a woman who was at the grocery store, and she was not wearing a mask. And there was a young child who was standing by her with his mom. And he looked up at this lady and asked his mom, Mom, why isn't that lady wearing a mask? And the mom said loud enough for the other lady to hear, Well, some people are just dumb and selfish. No matter what our views are on any issue, treating people like that is just not okay. On so many levels, that is just not okay. In verses 14 and 15, Alma says, 
Therefore, my son, see that you are merciful unto your brethren. Deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. And if ye do all these things, then shall ye receive your reward. Yea, ye shall have mercy restored unto you again. Ye shall have justice restored unto you again. Ye shall have a righteous judgment restored unto you again. And ye shall have good rewarded unto you again. For that which ye do send out shall return unto you again and be restored. Therefore, the word restoration more fully condemneth the sinner and justifieth him not at all. I love this scripture, and this is why I believe in the concept of karma. I've seen so many times in the lives of my family and other people around me that what you put out into the world really does come back around. If you are kind and try to do your best to be good to other people, there's a lot of good that comes back to you. And the opposite is also true. I've seen people who are dishonest and unkind, and their lives have a lot of struggle. Whether or not we feel peace and happiness in our lives, no matter what is going on, is our own choice. We can be humble and turn to the Savior for help and to feel peace. Or we can listen to Satan and be prideful or feel justified in our own judgments. And that way of thinking just never brings peace because we're constantly having to make sure that we're on the higher ground. I also thought it was interesting that Alma didn't really have every answer to every question. He had wondered about some of these same things himself. So he studied it out as much as he could, and then he prayed for himself to find answers to his questions. And I think we can do the exact same things ourselves as we have questions. We don't have to be the prophet or the bishop or the president of anything for the Lord to listen to us and take our questions seriously. And that's what I love about the gospel. Everyone has the same right to personal revelation. The Lord expects us to ask questions and to find answers for ourselves. And we don't have to just follow blindly. He's there for us every single time we ask. Corianton was also a little confused about why there needed to be punishment for sins. And Alma explained to him that even though we are punished for our own sins, there is a way to be freed from that and to make things right again. And we know that the way to do that is through repentance and faith in our Savior Jesus Christ. In verse 15 of chapter 42, it says, And now the plan of mercy could not be brought about, except an atonement should be made. Therefore God himself atoneth for the sins of the world, to bring about the plan of mercy, to appease the demands of justice, that God might be a perfect, just God, and a merciful God also. So you have the scales of mercy and of justice. And when we do something wrong, the justice scale gets pretty heavy. When we decide to repent and we choose to change and ask our Heavenly Father for forgiveness, the atonement of our Savior sits on the mercy side of the scale and balances us out. He makes up for what we lack and for what we couldn't do for ourselves. That gift is free and it's available to every single one of us, no matter what, when we choose to change and choose to take advantage of it. In verse 27, Alma says, Therefore, O my son, whosoever will come may come and partake of the waters of life freely. And whosoever will not come, the same is not compelled to come. But in the last day, it shall be restored unto him according to his deeds. We all have moral agency and the choice is ours. Elder Uchtdorf said this, We all depend on the Savior. None of us can be saved without him. Christ's atonement is infinite and eternal. Forgiveness for our sins comes with conditions. We must repent, and we must be willing to forgive others. Remember, heaven is filled with those who have this in common. They are forgiven, and they forgive. Lay your burden at the Savior's feet. Let go of judgment. Allow Christ's atonement to change and heal your heart. Love one another. Forgive one another. The merciful will obtain mercy.
There is so much peace that can be found in these scriptures this week. We can repent, we can change, and we can choose to be happy. Thank you so much for joining me this week and listening to my thoughts. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at ComeFollowMeWeekly, or you can find the transcript of this episode at ComeFollowMeWeekly.com. Have a great week, everyone.